Welcome to RCS. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And we're recording live at Drivers Club, brought to you by Haggerty, Avance, Carter Subaru, Rainier Beer, and... As of today, America's Automotive Trust. Yay, us. And you'll understand why <laughs> when you figure out who the guest is today. Hey. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, before we get into that, we should talk about a very simple uh, Carter Subaru tip of the week, uh, which actually kind of aligns with our show a little bit today. Uh, I was doing a little research about gasoline. Not okay. just good for hand cleaning. You're not drinking it again, are you? <laughs> no. Okay, good. Gargling a little so, bit. So, <laughs> it's good for the cavities. Yeah. No, I yeah. was doing some history. And uh, so our good friends, Chad and, Chad and Amanda, mm-hmm. are, they're selling their 57 Bel Air. Boo. Beautiful no-post yeah. car. I don't know if they sold it yet. But anyway, you got me thinking. Back in those days, all those cars came with leaded fuel. And they were made for it. Um, and the reason we had leaded fuel in the U.S. was, at first, uh, it, rained, it raised octane levels. Higher compression, more power. That's it. Uh, it was later discovered that it uh, kept the valve seats from becoming worn down prematurely. So on these older engines, that's why you find things instead of lead, like those gasoline additives. But I wanted to clear up a misconception. Under no circumstances should you run lead in your car, leaded fuel, with a catalytic converter. Just put a block ever. of lead in there. It's yeah. fine. Well, one, it's highly toxic. Yeah. Um, you don't need it. If you have an older car that has never had an overhaul and you're running those old valve seats, you can run instead of lead, which won't kill everyone around you. And that may be the, that is literally the only time you need it. That's it. No other reason ever. Hmm. In any modern car. So never run un- never unleaded fuel unless you have no catalytic converters and you have an old motor that's not designed for newer fuels that doesn't have hardened, hardened valve seats. So I did not know that. Yeah, it's super, super toxic, too. <laughs> so Lead? Huh, yeah, that's weird. Shocking, right? We should put it in paint. <laughs> yeah. If that'll be safe. Uh, I don't have the guy's name uh, handy, but a funny story I found. Uh, oh, there it is. Uh, I think it's Charles Kloss. Funny name. story about lead poisoning. Yeah. Those always end well. Yeah. So when they introduced it, they introduced it as safe, uh, knowing well that it wasn't. And the guy washed his hands in leaded fuel to prove how safe it was. About a, m- a couple months before that, he was being treated for lead poisoning in Florida. <laughs> no correlation, though. <laughs> washing. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's bad for you. Don't use it. Uh, it's it has special applications, but yeah, in any car you're driving on the street, unless you've got a classic car without hardened valve seats, so it's never had an overhaul, you don't need it. You can use run instead of lead, and it's a lot cleaner for everybody. Oh, cool. so that's your Carter Subaru tip of the week, and a little tiny bit of history. Don't wash your hands in gasoline. Yeah, bad idea all around. It really gets under the nails, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. I've done it. <laughs> I well, I mean, we've all had gas on our hands. I mean, I think it's. I watched some woman at the Costco a few days ago that um, dumped a <laughs> ton of uh, gasoline on the... She pulled the nozzle out while it was still... <laughs> and, yeah. So. Bad idea. Yeah. The guy that was screaming <laughs> at her. Yeah. And then the best part was... She, and it, you got to visualize it. And the fact she pulled it out and he's screaming at her and she's doing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you Hold doing? Hold on. I got to put my cigarette <laughs> out exactly. first. Then exactly. I'll put this away. <laughs> Let go of your hand. So, yeah. Anyway. Do you, should we introduce our guest uh, for the yes. day? Yes. Yes. Uh, our guest is the new CEO of America's Automotive Trust, the RPM Foundation, and... Uh, Tech Force Foundation. Tech Force Foundation. The Media Market and the RPM Foundation. Yes. When do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> like, did you were like, hey, you know, being a CEO of one company is fine, but that's just... Let's make me an umbrella. <laughs> it's so much easier then. Jennifer Maher, welcome, welcome to the Jen- show. Oh, that's why we should tell your name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's her name, so, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, no, the old adage, if you want something done, give it to a busy person, right? Yeah. So there you go. So get it done right. That's, 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 yeah. that's how it starts. All that yeah. free time we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we do this because well, we don't like sleep. <laughs> uh, we've been talking about having you on for a long time. Chrissy uh, from LeMay, who's been on the show, uh, America's, Auto- America's Automotive Museum. Many you, times. I didn't call you Ashley this time. 
So you're welcome. Um, uh, we've been friends for a long time. She's been on the show many times, uh, and I know we've wanted to have you on here. And we've uh, we haven't told anybody, but like I said, we're starting a new in-kind sponsorship with uh, America's Automotive Trust and Museum. I'm gonna screw that up like many so times. many times. Many like, times. Just can we get an acronym, please? <laughs> with America's Automotive uh, Trust. Oh, okay. Yeah, we go. Okay. So um, we're really glad to have you here, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you talk now, Dan. <laughs> exactly. I'm just... Well, welcome. Um, I guess the first question everybody's going to want to know is what brought you to LeMay, America's Automotive Trust, RPM Foundation, easy, all, Tech Force? All of these acronyms, all yeah. of these organizations. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, the reality is, is I literally got a call from my former sponsor who ran the NASCAR Foundation when I was at Make-A-Wish of America. And as you can imagine, lots of wish kids want to drop the green flag at NASCAR. Oh, yeah. And so I worked a lot with the automotive industry back when I was at Make-Wish. And fast forward uh, through my 30-year career in nonprofit, I ended up at an organization called TechForce. And TechForce was all about trying to solve the technician shortage and trying to help young kids understand that there is more than one road to success. Mm -hmm. Not everybody needs to go to a four-year university. And that working with your hands and fixing cars and keeping America rolling is a really, really great viable option for so many. So I ran TechForce for six years. And then I met uh, the group and the people behind LeMay, America's Car Museum, America's Automotive Trust, and RPM. And there was such a synergy because in the end of the day, they're trying to build car culture and community and keep this hobby and this enthusiastic, you know, uh, group and passion alive for the next generation. And I said, if this is already the work I'm trying to do, because you can't invite young people to consider this as a career path if they have no experience with cars. Mm -hmm. And too many young people don't have an experience with cars. So if their parents aren't into it or they don't have that exposure, then they don't know what they don't know. And so it was like, well, wouldn't this be a beautiful marriage, kind of an unlikely marriage, yeah. to be able to put organizations together kind of from the cradle to grave, kind of the, all the soup to nuts to start to say, if we were together and helped really ignite the passion of young people, then a portion of them would actually raise their hand and say, I want to work on new cars and trucks and motorcycles and airplanes and engines. And another portion of them would say, but I really like the collectibles and history and restoration and preservation. And then a whole bunch of them would say, well, I don't really want to make this my career, but I now love this as a hobby or a passion and just the enthusiasts community that we all want to have. So to me, it was like, how do you actually start to make nonprofits work together? And so I don't care whether you're trying to cure cancer or help, you know, homelessness. If they actually hooked their wagons and worked, you know, uh, collaboratively instead of competitively, maybe we'd make a dent in this world. Yeah. Let's talk about tech force a little bit because I think that's a, well, one, a really cool thing. Being an automotive technician is no longer a low-tech field. It's actually a high-tech field, especially with today's modern cars. And while it all relies on the basic foundation of understanding engines, how they work, and how cars work, now it's like, I mean, it was a good, very close friend of ours who's been on the show is uh, Audi Tech and we were talking to him I think the new the S7 or the new RS7 at the time when they redid the body design had like 30 something roof antennas yeah for, basically if you got in a hailstorm that they totaled the car yeah pretty much but it was like half the work he does now is all high tech work that's right it's, it's, it's a changing field so the appeal is not what it, it's not as simple as it used to be there was a, a lull I think probably in the 80s where automotive was 
in a weird way, sort of a basic thing. Saw, people saw it as a basic thing. Anybody who was worth their salt knew that it was no easy task. Right. It's harder than, but now it's like you get, you can get two different kinds of people that are still interested in the same thing. Right. Well, and if you follow like Mike Rowe, you know, they yeah. talk about, you Love know, the Mike reality Rowe. is a skilled trades got a really bad rap and we pretty yep. much killed the skilled trades for about 30 years in America. And so when I talk to young people today, they say, look, you know, you can get me excited about cars. I get it. These are computers on wheels. The average car has 60 computers, 100 million lines of code. Grease monkey be gone. Right. And so, you know, people understand that. But they say, you got to get my parents out of my way because they're like, heck no, my kid ain't going to be a grease monkey. And they have these old, outdated stigmas about the profession. And therefore, they become the the potholes on the kid's journey. And so it's not only the parents, but it's the schools and the, uh, the counselors because it's all push, push, push. Our high school has 100 percent college bound students. Well, you know, who's following up with that kid a year later to find out that they dropped out of college because it wasn't the right fit. So we really believe in helping uh, young people find an education and a career path that fits them. And for those who are hands-on learners and problem solvers and love the technology or the art and the design, I mean, there's so much of that in automotive that we say it is not the blue collar career, it's the new collar career. Nice. I like that. Well, um, Dan, you unfortunately didn't make it down to Arizona this year, but I had the opportunity to have a, a, a one-on-one and, and a talk in a room with Lynn St. James and Barry McGuire and our good friend Shannon Lowe. And Lynn St. James is a big, well, she was a big part of the RPM Foundation, but I, now she's an ambassador for America's Automotive Trust. I did it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it, 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 it was funny because we weren't really on that topic, but it took over the topic. And the fact we started talking about the fact that, you know, when we sit there and, and talk about it, somebody taking a flat piece of steel and putting on an English wheel and making a fender, there's many people that there's the it's a dying breed and people don't know how to do it and people aren't teaching it because the kids don't want to learn. Now, I understand it's not technical, but then we talk about it, the money is the ultimate dollar and the, uh, truthfully in the fact that everybody wants to know how much money I can make. I don't think people understand that that yeah the these need, are six figure jobs plus yeah if you're a good tech <laughs> yeah. you're you're making. Yeah, tech you're money. Making some well, coin. Yeah. <laughs> like, the guy that helped me restore my triumph, and, and, and looking at the bills that he was sending me, I mean, he was worth every penny, but you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, wow, okay, yeah, and you taught yourself how to do this? Okay. Like, it was incredible. Yeah, well, yeah, so, well, it's funny, because around here, there's a lot of very, very skilled tradesmen who have cornered the market on a lot of things, especially metalworking. I mean, think of Northrop, 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 Northrop Fab, yeah. Keith Northrop, Northrop Fab, who's been on the show. Like, if you want something done right, it's like, he's your go-to. Because he's not only you know highly technical, <laughs> getting the math down on things like that is insane, way above my skill level, and also an artist, which trying to find somebody who can do both, that is a, a point of pride that he owns very well. He's, it's very, he's what deserves it, should I say. And I think that's something, metal craftsmen that were making fenders in the past were seen as, as metal workers. They weren't seen as artists. And you look at some of the beautiful cars that are now being crafted, out of flat sheets and they are artists and that's something and I think that's also an avenue that's appealing to people in the fact that I can be an artist, I can be a car lover, and I can create something. I can create rolling art. Well, I think that's why we talk at America's Automotive Trust about one of our initiatives, which is use STEM and or STEAM education, is because it is about science. It is about math and technology and the arts. And these, you know, are artisans and craftsmen. And um, it needs to be appreciated. Not every STEM-related career needs to be in a white lab coat. 
I don't look good in a lab coat. <laughs> then again, math really wasn't my forte either. So, you know, exactly. <laughs> Dental work. <No. laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Don't go there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say yeah. that sounds kind of scary, but. I know. <laughs> I got yeah. pliers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I think, you know, part of the fun right now is taking four unique nonprofits that are all, um, they have a synergy in the fact that they all have the same North Star which is how to preserve and evolve car culture, community, and careers. Mm -hmm. And if you start to say, then, if we work together to move the needle on that, how do we all pitch in? And this is where you look at a tech force and an RPM. They are working on tomorrow's workforce of technicians and artisans and craftsmen. So you let the young person pick their passion. Are they more into the new, new cars or the art side of it or the technical side or the restoration? But then you also look at it and you say, you know, it's about culture and community. So we meet so many people. And if you actually just listen, they're passionate about the history of the automobile. And that's why LeMay America's Car Museum, you know, is such a treasure to have so many, you know, an, an incredible collection, but also all of the outreach and the ways that it can bring history alive. And then talk about the evolution of how the car and has you know, evolved over the years and how does history change? And we're living in history today so what is new today will be history tomorrow and it's a really good time to get into the industry with we're seeing so much of the surgence of electric vehicles taking over i mean it started with tesla which was like a small thing but now the porsche take on which is the you know the cool factor is just kept rising and rising and rising and all the startups that are coming we have a lot coming and it's going to be a really different world for being right. a, a so when you just look mechanic. at the you look at the evolution yeah. that's a story and that's a story worth preserving yeah. you know because it's constantly fluid but then you also look at car culture, right? And this is, again, where America's Automotive Trust has said, how do we make sure the next generation is as enthusiastic in their own way, mm -hmm. right? It's like music. It's not going to be the way, you know, the music I liked. It's going to be the music they like. But, you know, woven together, there's a tapestry there that makes a really great story. But there's just so many young people who literally, you know, they're looking for their place in the world. They're looking to connect with people, they're wondering, you know, how do I how do I relate on this planet? And yet when you go into the car world, I mean the friendships, the camaraderie, I mean that it is a special universe. Well, and I mean, Dan and I have said this, a lot of what Rain City Supercars is and RCS is built on friendship we've made at LeMay at the through and through events there. And the fact that LeMay is something it's kind of interesting, especially in the car culture here, and the fact that when everybody's out doing their own thing, the exotics, the classic car guys, they kind of do their own thing. But when everybody comes to LeMay and, and kind of comes together, you're all car people. And it doesn't matter what you drove in. And it creates a story, which is a lot of fun. And the museum has been an incredible uh, touchstone for the, to the car community here to be able to go down there and see the exhibits that people brought, bring in and, and things that people didn't know they wanted to know. <laughs> and and, and really, it was really fun. So yeah. we've created a lot of lasting relationships from it. Well, yeah. and that's where a museum cannot be a museum, but an experience. Yes. And that's what we want for LeMay America's Car Museum is to be that experience that you can see the history, you can see the cars, but also you can come learn, you can bring your family, you can have youth stem, you know, family STEM nights, but you can come to the parties and the signature events and the car shows and you can meet your people. And, you know, that's what makes it really alive and well. Those are fun. Trust me. Yeah. Well, let's take our first break. When we get back, uh, we're going to talk more about you, <laughs> <laughs> focusing on you. And we'll be right back. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. 
The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. And we're back. I think something that makes you really unique is the fact that you didn't necessarily come from the car community. You came from the nonprofit side of things. Um, and you, but you appreciate cars, obviously. Certainly. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we all do, uh, except for Priuses. <laughs> <laughs> they don't count. Yeah. That's not, you know. But how did, give us a little bit of a background on, on where you came from. Like, were you a little kid going around to the door trying to, you know, convince people to, you know, help the small cat down the street? You know, <laughs> how does that work? Yeah, exactly. Susie's cat got run over by my mom's car, and I need to raise seven dollars. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh yeah. my God! What's sad is I actually do have that story. <laughs> okay, that makes yeah. it better. Wait, so, you ran over the cat? Or, you know. <laughs> well, I, I always tell people. I said, look, you know, if you want to know what your kid will be someday, watch how they play. Okay. Oh. Because I really do believe that you can see their natural talents just coming out naturally if you're willing to look at it. And so, I I often do joke that there was a time my sister and I would you know always put on plays or produce things and my sister said we're going to produce church service and so we had an <laughs> attic where you had to walk up the stairs into this little steeple type attic and you know my sister's preparing what sermon or so she's going to deliver and what verses and so sure enough ready go okay mom dad open the door and I stood there with the collection plate <laughs> I was like I am fundraising man well played that's, that's opportunistic <laughs> if anything like hey yeah. you gave me my allowance but you didn't give the church the allowance you know what help here some religious guilt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I'm Catholic. I have enough of that. Yeah, so, yeah. so I made for a very good nonprofit fundraiser yeah, at a very early age. So. No, but I mean, I literally um, have always been in marketing and strategic alliances and was serving on the board of a local YMCA. And at the time, the Y came to me and said, you know, crazy, crazy idea, but we have an opening in our marketing and communications at our metro office. Any chance you would ever consider and it was just one of those things that sometimes when you're just ready to do something different. And so I said yes. And it was through the YMCA where working with uh, more of the at-risk kids and um, I would listen and my job was marketing. And I would roll the video or roll radio station interviews. So, you know, very much like this, you get to yeah. know people and you'd hear their stories and what people had lived through, and some of the struggles. And it was just really, you know, one of those things where I decided, I really want to use my gifts and my talents to be able to do good in the world. And so I was one of the people who put together a, a relationship with PepsiCo when we were in the cola wars between Pepsi and Coke for years. And I walked into the back uh, halls of Coca-Cola. And it was my pivotal moment because I looked up and there was kind of the employee mottos that are in the back, like rah, rah. Mm -hmm. And it said, our, our mission is to own the majority share of stomach space in the world. <laughs> And I just sat there and I'm like, like this doesn't could, resonate with me. I could not get out of bed for that. I just, I couldn't. <laughs> Carbonation, carbonation. <laughs> and so, I mean, I just really kind of sat there and I said, you know, I kind of like this nonprofit thing. And so that is what I've done for 30 years is because I get to be in strategic business alliances and I get to work with amazing corporations and people and individuals and donors who in the end of the day, I do believe want to do good in the world, but it's also not just a hand out. I don't believe in that either. I think it's a win-win. I think you have to listen and talk and build relationships and say, what, what are we both trying to do in this world to make an impact? 
And then you come up with ways to do it. So, you know, again, even having your support and your sponsorship and that, in, you know, that relationship with us is you're helping us get the word out. And at the same time, you know, hopefully we can do more things to get, you know, people together. And there's a, there's a better feeling when you wake up in the world. And I like that feeling. That's great. Was the YMCA your first foray into nonprofit then? It was. I was with Y 10 years and I went uh, on the national staff of Make-A-Wish of America and granted wishes, which was the greatest thing when my kids were young. Because, you know, when you go to school in preschool and first grade and they're like, what do your parents do? Ah. My, my mommy makes Grant's wishes. I mean, it was just, you know, <laughs> sure that's a great she does. thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just because you asked for Cheerios this morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so building those strategic alliances between Make-A-Wish and Disney and, you know, those types of relationships that are pretty great. That sounds so cool. That sounds like amazingly rewarding work, but also heartbreaking. I, I don't know if I would have the... The, I don't know. I would say I'm still enough of a business person that I've always been on the national staffs of organizations. And so I am not the one who was actually in the hospitals with the wish kids because my heart would always go out to the staff and the team because I do think it takes a special, (laughs) special person to do that work. And I was more on the, if I can help raise you money or market the brand to bring you resources so that you can do that work, they were better than I. Um, But yeah, I'd walk through the oncology unit at Stanford University just like this is amazing but it makes you feel good and I think that's where again fast forward I mean I've been with the Nature Conservancy and I've done consulting for lots of different nonprofits across the country but you know what's attracted me about this is again I think there's so many young people and they're just trying to find their way and they're trying to connect and this idea that we have stomped out the skilled trades or said that there's people who, if they have this passion, they're somehow less than or not as smart. And that just, that's the mama totally bear in me. Yeah, yeah. Mama bear comes out and I'm like, that is just flat out wrong. Yeah. And um, so I think, you know, watching my own kids struggling through school where it's sit still, don't talk, don't touch. That's not how they're wired to learn. So you're teaching and your system for a couple of kids <laughs> at the detriment well, of so many. I mean, you, you touched on it earlier, and I think it's the fact that these parents looking at you going, you're going to go to college, you're going to do this, and you, you're telling somebody what they're going to be, and you're not asking them. And as somebody who really struggled in school, I mean, still struggles to this day, but, you know, you, you adapt. My parents were very good about the fact of going, you know, there was a little bit of like, you should do, we think you should do this and we think you should do that. But they they helped me, guide me on a path to do what, you know, I felt comfortable doing. And I think I've seen a lot of people that I went to high school with that was like, and I talk to them now and they're like, yeah, I went to school and this is what I do. I'm like, oh, do you love it? Not really. Nope. <laughs> like, I, and now and I have $100,000 in debt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was talking to somebody today in the medical field, and I'm like, I'm like, do you just love what you're doing? Not really. I've never wanted to do this. Why are you here? Well, my parents thought it was a good idea. My, my dad did this. Gold that's handcuffs. not reason why you should do this. Like, yeah. I think, and I think that's a, an important message. It's like you need to, like you said, sit back and look at your child play and see what they want to be. I'm obviously, you know, as a kid, you know, one day you want to be a doctor, the next day you want to be a mechanic, the next day you want to be the tooth fairy. I'm still on the tooth fairy thing. <laughs> I think it'd be fun. I wanted to be a DJ. Did you? Funny how well that, that turned out. <laughs> He's a DJ. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We've had one on the show, yeah. and now I run a podcast. Yeah. I mean, I also work at Microsoft, yeah. but still. But what's your, like, favorite story from Make-A-Wish? Because I'm sure there's a hundred there that you've, or something you've backed or something that really touched you. Is and there... I'm wearing makeup, so don't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, favorite favorite comes in different packages, right? right? The funniest ever was the three-year-old boy who wished to work in a pickle factory. <laughs> why do I want to do that all of a sudden? Like, why does that sound like totally amazing? <laughs> seriously. Somebody at Vlasic was like, okay. okay. Oh, no, seriously, that was what made it so great. The, I mean, the pickle company was like, this is the best wish ever we, we get to grant. We didn't know we could fulfill wishes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So those are the ones that are wow. funny. I mean, you know, the wish, wish to restore a 67 Mustang, you know, okay. those things were kind of cool to watch. Um, obviously the ones that were to be a superhero where we'd shut down yeah. the town and you'd have, you know, them, you know, save Gotham and the entire community would come out. My husband's actually from this really teeny small town on the Eastern side of Montana out near the Badlands. And there was a young boy's wish to go dinosaur hunting. Oh, yeah. You get lots of dinosaur country out there. Right? So they have a park in eastern Montana where they literally have a lot of the dinosaur relics or the bones and what have you. And so the entire town came out to bring up this wish because who else is going to Glendive, Montana? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and this is their one wish. So I think the times like that where I always called them the community wishes where it took 2,000 people to put it on or something, I always think that those were pretty spectacular. That's really cool. They're, that's funny how, um, yeah, the car community ties into that really well because when COVID really hit, all of a sudden every birthday party was canceled, um, like across everywhere. And a bunch of kids wanted to have, they wanted to see cars and all the car shows were canceled. So I worked with uh, Woodenville Car Club uh, to do, I set up a couple drives with them to send big parades to these neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Turns out everybody was bored out of their mind during COVID. So it what was like, you know, like, yeah, 20 cars, try 200 every time, every week, all the time. And so all the car communities really came together to like build us a list. Right. We'll do all the birthdays in a day. We'll have every kind of car you can imagine. It was super cool to see. Well, and remember we were talking about, you know, people finding, you know, finding their people. Yeah. You know, I, I actually realized that, and I said, why do I have to wait for a Make-A-Wish to be able to connect kids with their wishes within the car community. Mm-hmm. And so something we're building out in America's Automotive Trust is that we have this online portal with these partner organizations where young people who are car enthusiasts will start to be able to come in. We'll launch it the first of the year. And they'll be able to start to say, hey, I'm interested and passionate about this. Or I want to go to a NASCAR race I've never been. Well, as a not-for-profit, we can get all this donated, all these experiences. And then there's employers and shops and passionistas all over the country who want to help, but they just don't know how. So through I and being able to come in and raise their hand, they can say, hey, I'll take a group of kids to an NASCAR race. I'll take them to a car show. But also, there could be a car club who says, you know, hey, we'll grant a wish. You know, and not using that vernacular, but if the kids wish to, to sit in a Ferrari and they never have, and they, they maybe never will, to be able to have somebody host them, yeah. you know, out at one of the car shows for 15 minutes and give this kid an opportunity, it might just ignite a spark in them. And then again, sometimes you meet a kid and everybody's like, okay, and then bye-bye and you never see him again. And sometimes you meet them and you're like, oh my gosh, how can we help you? And suddenly they find mentorships. So stuff comes out of that, that it's that connection that's, I think, missing. And so if we have a tool to be able to start to have people willing to help, willing to share the passion, willing to, uh, you know, volunteer or take kids under their wings, then how do we connect those dots without making them a big brother where, right. you know, that's, <laughs> that's too much of a commitment. But just, you know, experiences and exposure because so many of them don't have that anymore. I think the car community is very good, nationally, I mean, about mm-hmm. doing that and, and sharing their passion because 
it, it, as much as you're saying you're doing something good for the kid, you feel good. And and we all like to talk about our cars. We all like to talk about where the cars came from, why we have the cars. Dan doesn't have a connection to cars. He just sells his cars anytime. No, <laughs> but we've seen that here through some of the stuff we've done here. And Chris, you can see that like with exotics and the fact that I've seen little kids getting cars with, with owners and Ferraris and the, the owner come by and like the kid knows more about my car than I do. Like he yeah. taught me about my car, <laughs> which is incredible because, and truthfully, because the, the world we're living in, the social media and things like that, they have access to the knowledge. And I think that they just need to be told that it's okay yeah you, you want to be a ferrari tech you want to be a you want to work on fords go do it yeah I mean, that's you know that's like nurtured that's cool. and they need to find the resources yeah and so you know and that's and that's you and you said that launches first of next year for yeah for uh, january 2021 okay. it's just this idea of it's kind of a linkedin uh meets match.com so how does this it community for young car enthusiasts allow us to make these connection points so that if I've got a kid in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we've got people in Scottsdale willing to make this, these, you know, ignite this passion, how do you put them together? And not necessarily a one-on-one, but many to one. And same thing as we can do it nationwide. So to be able to come into Tacoma, to come into Seattle and start to say, you know, hey, how do we connect these dots or their shops and businesses they've got left over, you know, an old lift. And they don't want it anymore, but they don't know what to do with it. Well, give it through us, and we will get it to a school that needs it and can use it. So, I mean, I've got restoration schools that need an English wheel. Well, there's somebody who doesn't want it anymore. So FedEx Freight came on and have, has donated to be able to transport and ship for us, moving a, that equipment to any school that needs it. That's really cool. Yeah, so that is not an easy piece to move, so thank God for them. <laughs> the, the apprenticeship idea of life doesn't exist anymore, and I think that's sad. And I think this will really open up the fact that somebody's going to be able to go, I didn't even know I'm going to like this, but I want to do this. Like, I want right. to, you know. So. I have a well, really good example of this, actually, from right in our own backyard. So there's a, a kid, I, he's almost an adult now, who, uh, Grieger, Dane Grieger, which I know Chrissy knows. This is a perfect example where he started his own automotive detailing business down south with the help of his dad. And he's really good, really good. And he had a lot of encouragement. His dad's a super down-to-earth guy. I know he's, he's been on the, the show. Museum. He's been on the, yep, yeah. he's been on the show. <laughs> yeah. We did a quick interview with him in a winery, his dad, for a car event. <laughs> they weren't taking the kid drinking at the winery. Yeah, we might want to clarify that. We were at a winery. It was a car show. Yeah. Anyway, but I know, uh, speaking with the, uh, the Grios, Nick and Richard, that they're like, we want him to work for us because he has an excellent work ethic, and he's proven that he actually knows what he's doing. Well, you're 16 years old in Grios Garage, who was like the automotive Bible of detailing when you were a kid, because I used to study it just for the pictures and to learn about stuff. They're saying, hey, we want you to work for us. That's a big deal. So, I mean, like, how do you get a better start than that? You're going straight to the source of, like, the nationwide distributor for these (laughs) acclaimed products, and they want you to work for them? And he's in their backyard in Tacoma? Like, these connections happen really easily through the car world, better than people think. you You show initiative and drive at a young age, and you know what you're doing, and places like LeMay or, you know, AAT are going to help you open these doors. That's right. It's connecting the dots. And I think, you know, the other thing we're excited about is one of our other initiatives is women driving change. Yeah. And if you look at the car culture, community, and careers, we've got to invite more women into this, you know, game. And, and yeah. so that's something, again, our Lynn St. James is spearheading this initiative, and we've got just a brain trust if of amazing If you don't know women. who Lynn St. James is, <laughs> just just type it into Google and, and – 
read for the next yes, few hours. Lynn, yeah. L-Y-N. She's made a yep. pretty big impact on the automotive world. Why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so she she's she's kick butt and yeah. she uh, is spearheading because she has always been passionate about RPM and our ability to really, really hone in on RPM's reputation for the apprenticeships and the internships. And thanks to friends like Haggerty and uh, the Mittler Family Foundation, they're funding uh, this curriculum so that we can get really, really sharp in what are the skills we need to do to preserve in the restoration trade, but also going and saying we need to welcome women. So we're talking now about what does that look like, you know, and how do we start to celebrate when concours have female judges? And what does it look like when your advertising is welcoming and making people feel included? And what's it like to have women techs rock and to be able to salute and celebrate that? So it, it, does take a proactive concerted effort to make sure you're being inclusive and welcoming diversity and we're ready to really try to rally that and there have been a few shining stars i mean jesse um what's her last name she passed away combs Combs. yeah, Combs, I mean, yeah. incredible and did an incredible amount but i think you're right i think that it used to be you would go to car shows like in monterey and they'd go we're having a fashion show for the ladies it's like okay great lynn's <laughs> like i want to drive why don't yeah, yeah Lynn's like i'm bringing my car and i don't give a crap what they're wearing uh, <laughs> right. but like i we're, we're starting to see it more and more especially in this community i mean and and yeah. they're starting to you know the the bella courses of the world and the fact that I think it's cool when they go, yeah, we're going driving. You're not welcome. Good. Have fun. And they're yeah. out driving us and, I mean, and the track days and things like that. And the female techs and all that are just incredible. Right. I mean, well, and at the same time, I think we're trying to make it inclusive. I think something that, you know, Kristen Wells is working so hard on is that club auto. It's not about women only driving events. Yeah. It's about just, again, let's all go just driving together. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, so my dream interview to this day, no offense to Lynn St. James, of course, is Michelle Mouton. And because when I was a kid, it was one of the few things that was televised was her win at Pikes Peak when it was all gravel in that Group B Audi. And it was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen in my life. I didn't care that she was a woman. I mean, my mom was a working woman, so it didn't matter. But it's like they've been part of history the whole time, and they've been making you know, huge strides in the advancement of the automotive world forever. Like, it's still, like, I would love to talk to her about that win and her career in Group B because, you know, in my opinion, the most badass driver of all time is, is Group B drivers to this day. Like, you were just nuts. But it's you're right. It's been overlooked. Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, I mean, it was, a, you know, it's still to this day a male-dominated industry, but it's changing. That's good. I mean... I'm fine with that. Well, I think the tech industry will help that because the tech industry is quickly not becoming a male-dominated industry. And as the car industry moves to the tech industry, let's face it, it's headed that direction with, like you were saying, how many computers are on a car. Yep. Yeah. You're going to see more and more diversity, which is great. Well, you don't so. need the upper body strength and things like that that yeah. you used to say. So it's opened it wide up. And um, that's where, again, I think this youth STEM education and being able to say we want to compete in science, technology, engineering, math, but I've even put in the A on the STEAM, you know, the arts. Yeah. But, you know, young girls are looking for alternatives and what is it they can do. And quite frankly, they're, you know, they have a whole nother skill set yeah. that they can bring to the table. And so diversity is good and it'll just make our cars better. Exactly. There's no downside to that at all. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> okay. Well, you were both looking at me like, okay, agree. I agree. No, no I mean, <laughs> I, I have a very good friend of mine that I grew up with, and she is an airplane mechanic. And and I said, I asked her one day, I go, why'd you get into this? She, she goes, I liked planes. And she goes, you want to know the real reason? She goes, somebody looked at me one day and went, you're small enough to crawl in areas where we can't get to, and you can fix it faster than us. She's <laughs> like, I thought, cool. She says, I filled the niche, and I've done really well at it. That's <laughs> cool. Kind of cool. So, yeah. 
as you've been getting into the car industry, coming from the nonprofit side to the car side, and you've been, you know, I guess I would say probably drinking from a fire hose with the car community, because that's often like you're just bombarded with information. You have a great mentor for the car side with Chrissy, who knows a lot about a lot. But uh, what have been your favorite cars that you've seen or ones that have jumped out at you right away that you looked at, you're like, oh, I love that. Well, I'm finding that I do have a certain look that I always kind yeah. of, you know, so it's like I walk by an Austin Healey, I walk by the Jaguar. I think there is certain, uh, I tend to like the rounder shapes, you uh-huh. know, the artistic uh, flow. Flowing lines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the flowing Vin- lines. I'm hearing vintage British, so. Yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> I'm good with that. Yeah. Usually when my head flips around, it's sure. usually, you know, not a surprise to find that. So that's been fun. And again, I just think I am always uh, flabbergasted at how, you know, so much has changed and yet so much has stayed the same. Yeah. So, and and I think it goes back to the, what do you all call it? The providence or the stories? Of the cars yeah. themselves? Yes. What's the, the word? Well, I mean, provence? Prov- provence? Yeah. <laughs> are you talking about the aspect of like, classic cars and, and, and the design there is now making its way into these cars? Or are you saying are the stories of the cars? I believe there was a word that describes when you're talking about the history or the story of the car. Oh. The Provence, the fact that every car, not every car, but so many of these cars have stories. And yes. that's what really makes them, you know, collectibles and interesting because stories are people. And it just goes back to, you know, that's what is interesting to our, our world. And what lives on is always culture. Yeah. It's what lives on in any society. That's why I love Tuckers. It's not so much the car, it's the story behind it. Right. Yeah. And same with Lamborghini about how it was basically a middle finger to Ferrari. Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, that's the history of Lamborghini. (laughs) Go make tractors. Okay, I'll go make cars. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think what's been most fascinating to me, again, just being a nonprofit person, you know, and as I'm used to, you know, whether it's raising money for feeding America or save the children and international relief work and is when you come from that mindset you come into this community and it is so giving and kind and well connected but they don't necessarily think of this as a cause yeah that's a good point so when we go out and say can you help us with women driving change or the youth stem education initiative or the past present and future of mobility or workforce development you kind of get a head cocked like huh like what, what, do you, what do you mean you need help? Yeah. Right. You know, you, well, you're a museum and you just pay admissions and that's, so I think understanding the complexity of how you can use automobiles to make change in the world is no different than when I worked at the Y and you could use basketball mm-hmm. to keep, to teach kids about character development and values or to teach them life skills. So you use things as vehicles, pun, no, all pun intended, <laughs> right, to be able to help instill you know, change Nothing for the world. Nothing teaches patience like working on a car. Yeah. I think you're right. People don't, they don't necessarily see it. It's like they'll, they'll go and they'll make a contribution to their church or the Boys and Girls Club to help small kids get through school or, and figure out what they want to do, but they don't see the connection like, well, we're doing the same thing. We're helping kids, fi- you know, right. figure out their, their career paths. And, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's, there's something I think incredibly charitable about investing in something that is helping young people find their way find their people, find their passion, their interests, and perhaps even their education and skills for a career that is about people who are going to be alive and well and in your communities. And so if you sit there and look at 6 million disconnected youth who are 16 to 24 and they are you know, on their couch neither in school nor employed, they're wandering, I just sit there and go, you know, how, how many of them could find a connection 
through something like the automobile. So I just see it as, I guess you asked me, you know, how, how am I even in this? I look at it and I go, here is a, an entire massive industry and a huge collector community and people who want to do good in the world and can. And I think there is a way to connect the dots mm-hmm. in changing a lot of people's lives. It's simple. Look at them and go, look, either you help these children or nobody fixes your car in the future. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Do you want it to run? Support this child. <laughs> Blackmail has to happen sometimes. We do talk yeah, exactly. about oh, keeping absolutely. America rolling. There exactly. is something yeah. to it. Well, I mean, like you said, there's not even that, though. There's the artistic side of it, too. Yeah. I worked in the body shop business, and uh, the, a good body guy is an artist. He's, he's more of an artist than a mechanic. And to use the old term, technician, but mechanic is often what they're thought of. I'm like, no, 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 no. Getting somebody who can eye up a fender in a door and be like, that doesn't fit. Here's why. And here's how I'm going to hammer this metal in perfectly and create this perfectly smooth edge by eye. And I'm like, right. That's not my skill set. Exactly. I can tell you what broke, but that's it. <laughs> well, and I have had the treasure and pleasure today of getting a tour with Fred Russell. And I mean, for oh yeah, just, oh I'm sure that was horrible. <laughs> the the, yeah. the you know the storytelling just rolling off yeah. his tongue, and I'm like, who's capturing this? Because this is history and mm-hmm. these stories. And so again, I just I mean, I appreciate all of that to say that this is stuff that preserved the passion, and that's why we coined our term preserve the passion because I'm like this is a passion and this has to be translated because there are going to be other people who will care about all this. Fred's a great storyteller isn't he? <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. And he's, that collection. He takes you on a journey. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> I yeah. love it. And some of the stuff he knows I just don't. <laughs> I'm like how do you know? How that? do you get that? Like, <laughs> nobody yeah. wrote that down. Like did you make yeah. that up Fred? <laughs> yeah. And he's like here's, here's the card that ticked off Hitler. I'm yep. like okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get a whole story well, about Well to be the fair card. that was a lot of cars. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you know exactly. I mean. Have you had the chance to meet Peter Gleason yet? Oh, I've had a Zoom call with him, but I can't wait to actually meet him in person. Oh, yeah. He's a, a character in the best way in person. So I'm actually excited for you to meet him just so you can have all the stories. Because if you love stories, he is the guy. Make sure you got a lot of time, though, because it, it can take a long time. Yeah. This is a, yeah. We showed up for a 15-minute commercial and left, like, what, three hours three later? Three hours later. Yeah. Well-knowledged. I mean, yeah. No, well, we were given a lot of knowledge, I guess. Yeah, okay, like we yeah. didn't want to leave yeah, it. No, really yeah, I didn't want to. Yeah. We were just like, let's just keep talking. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's a good one. To back to you a little bit, you split your time here. You're, you're Arizona and here, right? That's right. I, I, when I'm not in the middle of COVID, I am a very good <laughs> frequent flyer and supporter of the airline industry. <laughs> um, so, yes, I uh, live in Scottsdale, Arizona, and up here in Tacoma, Washington, with our crew up here at LeMay, America's Car Museum. But we also have staff out in Detroit. We've got staff out in Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, you know, offices for RPM in Chicago. So, you know, we have to be everywhere because America all loves cars. So we want to be able to make this a national organization that really is doing that, you know, car culture, community, and careers, but, you know, doing that not just in the state of Washington. Right. Well, Detroit's an obvious answer, but Scottsdale has a huge car community. They huge do. You know, and so we have Car Week, and we're pretty darn proud of it, and that's where we get to welcome our guests from all over the country, and so it's not a bad place to go in, you know, in right. January through March. Yep. So we, we always say that uh, Monterey is where you go for your ooh-ah moment. 
And that's because, you know, everything's kind of blown away and it's everywhere. But Scottsdale is where you go to connect with people and really meet because you have the time between events to actually talk to people. Monterey is just like, go, 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 go. And you have no time. And then all of a sudden it's over. You're like, all I want to do is sleep for a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Scottsdale is really where we connect with everybody. So, yeah, we love it down there. We do the uh, show down there as well. Yeah. So Exactly. So it's been fascinating because normally, again, I'm going around the country and working on uh, uh, strategic alliances or working with our donors. But, you know, it's been fascinating how people really have adjusted. We're a nimble people where people are now on Zoom. And, uh, you know, don't, don't get on a phone. Don't get on an airplane and come here to New Jersey. We'll just do a Zoom call. Switch the teams. That being said, uh, <laughs> I still want to go to Scottsdale and I want to be in Monterey. And I <laughs> yeah, I miss it so much. Dan I, and I just got back. We just we, we did a rally with our with some of our friends and it was just nice to get out of town and do it so yeah. well the lucky thing is at least we all can still drive yes yeah well, and i think that's where people just want to get on the road and go yeah i'm actually I'm lurking i'm selling a car and trying to buy one and, I, and now i'm intentionally looking like how far can i go away to get this because i don't want to buy it here i want to go somewhere else and drive it back because i'm just so desperate to leave the area <laughs> like i want to travel more so i'm looking at one in uh, outside in colorado because i'm like oh i'll go just drive it back and go through grand junction and moab and that's <laughs> go it to park city <laughs> i think there'll be a lot of people driving to scottsdale this january oh yeah. you know and i think that's going to be really fun assuming that yeah as soon as you can get down the weather down i-5 you're good to go <laughs> that'd be kind of fun yeah. <laughs> hmm. yeah yeah alan's in yeah, yeah. there you go yeah, chrissy you got a club yeah, auto exactly. drive oh, to yeah. scottsdale i can make a nice rally we'll go to park city and moab and then down oh, i like it yeah that'd there be you fun. Go. and through zion because it'll be open in january a new rally is born oh there we go now we're talking exactly. all right uh let's take our next break perfect timing and we'll be right back we spend an average of eight hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens laptops smartphones tablets even digital refrigerators but what are we really connected to isn't it time you connected to something greater sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect this moment of escape was created by Haggerty for people who love cars. And we're back. Um, actually, I mean, this is what coming out on October 2nd, but you guys by this time have, had, will have reopened the museum. We, we did. Three, we got, days a, three days a week, correct? Yep, three okay. days a week, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so we cool. opened back on uh, September 25th for that okay. weekend. And so this is the weekend to come on out uh, three days a week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, until the end of the year. And, and if you want it open longer, then get down there, support the museum, donate, and they'll be able to open longer. Yeah. Right? Support Heat the children. The door. Think yeah. of the children. Yeah. <laughs> Bring you your children. kids, yeah. do yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, think That's about it. That's a new it. banner. <laughs> we have all been locked up, right? Yes. And we're all looking for stuff to do. And I mean, Oh, with is... COVID. I thought you meant locked up. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, like, that You too. shouldn't know about that. My record's sealed. So I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're you know so again we're doing everything socially distant gotcha. and what what better than to have a hundred and sixty five thousand square foot four floors of a museum where you're not supposed to touch anything anyway, and you're very <laughs> spread out so you know we think it's going to be a, a really nice. Uh, outlet for so many people especially if it starts raining and the weather's going to get a little bit more you know not as friendly 
So come on down to LeMay America's Car Museum and have an entire afternoon of being able to do something you don't do every day. And I think that they're going to allow people to park their cars up on the plaza, too. Oh, right? and we've seen some incredible I yeah. mean, sports cars and exotics and classics. And so, you know, this is a chance that if you've got something you want to show off, come yeah. out, pull it right up onto the plaza and let everybody do in awe. This will make it. That'll make it interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, that'll be for some good variety, yeah. which is what makes the car world great, though. That's you what know. I love about LeMay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, what else do you have planned for the museum? Like, what do you, what do you, what's your, if you had a dream as the new CEO, what do you want for Of LeMay? everything. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, <laughs> yeah. um, I want to turn it into an innovation center and an experience. You know, I don't want it to be the treasure chest of old cars that we're collecting and keeping people away from. I want it to be something that people can come and experience and live the stories and that it's alive and well and interactive and that you can see kind of the evolution of architecture in the car. and You can see mm-hmm. the evolution of fashion and, and you know, and, and get hands-on and have that storytelling. But also, again, it's like how do you bring in the young people who want to wrench and, and, and figure out what this is all about and how do you bring in the after-school programs whether you're trying to earn an automotive merit badge to the robotics and start to show you know that here you have this incredible facility in Seattle Tacoma area that really could speak to so many different people and it's not just about coming and looking with your eyes yeah but experiencing with your life that's great uh that will definitely help I want to make sure that point is really clear to listeners when people hear the term museum they think old stuff Mm -hmm. that is not AAT that is not LeMay you have so much diversity there from brand new technical innovations to race cars everything it's not just old cars that's a really cool thing that people really need to know you're not going to go look at some old bunch of old cars yes you have automotive history because that's part of a museum but history starts today with you know the the latest stuff coming out that's why we talk about you know how do you transfer it from a treasure trove to a toolbox exactly yeah and make it relevant for the community and something that can really uh, be alive and thrive well, and there's, there's so many fun things to do, even for children there. Like, I mean, so oh, yeah. many cool things that you... <laughs> yeah, the simulators, the I mean, slot cars. Sure, eventually they look at you and go, sir, could you let the child play? No, <laughs> I'm building a Pinewood Derby car. Go away. <laughs> Those are still really fun to build. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, that, and I mean, if you, haven't, if you haven't been there, you need to go. It's a really great place to get lost. And it, by the way, even if you've been there a lot of times, you can still get lost. Yep. Like, where is the upside of this? Like, <laughs> Although I actually think we have to create one way, right, for the <laughs> COVID oh, thing. COVID, yeah. I'm actually thinking well, that'll help less people get lost. Say, that's probably a good <laughs> <Okay>. thing. <laughs> but I was going to say, um, if one area that, that a lot of people don't know about or they, they kind of skip over, if you go all the way to the bottom where Club Auto is, they actually have an area where they're working on cars down there, cars that have been that's donated right. to the museum. And it's really kind of fun. I mean, yeah. I don't know how often they're, they're working on cars, but it's really kind of fun to go down there and see what they're doing. It's a, it's a, is it sponsored by, is it still sponsored by... Now by Napa? Okay, great. Um, it's a fun area, and it's something that a lot of people kind of miss. But um, Well, it is, and we have a lot of our volunteers, yes. of course, are the docents there, but they'll, you know, work on a project. And are they restoring a Model T? Um, and, or Model A, I think it is, yeah. So they're restoring a Model A, and you can walk right up and see in the work in progress. Yeah. And come back a month later and see what's evolved. All I can think about is how much it get, it hurts to get hit by that hand crank when you do not get it right <laughs> yep. in the front of that car. I've done. I've hand cranked the Triumph once, and I took my I took the, most of the skin off my shin, and I was done. Yeah. But I can't imagine <laughs> doing a Model T. But yeah, it's fun. It's. Uh, I actually got to see. Uh, we've talked about it before. A client of mine donated a car to the museum, and they were working on it. And I happened to be down there when they were working on it, kind of getting it ready for display, which was kind of cool. A lot of fun. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I'm looking forward to being able to bring it back 
so that it is open every day yes. that yeah. we used to enjoy. But, you know, it's been a tough time for museums all across the country. I mean, they're predicting 20% of museums may close permanently due to COVID. And so, you know, we just had a gala uh, back in September and the community came out in full force for us. So it was virtual. It was virtual yeah. We didn't get to have the party we were, we were used to. No, but I heard it was quite a party still. But we people still really had enjoyed it. it. Yeah, we, yeah. Had, we, had, we were on our, our rally and we, some people were actually... Uh, took off what there's a, that actually is a really good point because that worked out really well being virtual because uh, we had uh, alan tammy on the rally with us and they were still able to attend they did the rally but were also able to attend the gala because it was virtual right the, the just through their smartphone we just had them keep bidding and bidding and bidding from anywhere <laughs> they were <laughs> no but it was awesome because you know really we were grateful that the tacoma and the seattle community really showed up but so did our supporters all across the country i mean they were tuning in from detroit and arizona and Pennsylvania and but we were able to raise you know it's not enough but it was a huge dent and uh, being alive and well so I think between now and the end of the year three days a week those are the days that most people and families have the time to be able to come out and uh, so we're going to go ahead and pack a punch and and really give them a a great experience on those I, days. I'm glad the virtual gala was uh, a huge success, but I I hope for next year with the the, the yeah. in person galas, the events at LeMay they're really fun, are just incredible. Yeah, the <laughs> virtual <laughs> fireworks show was just not the it's same. Just you know, <laughs> yeah. Okay, first of all, that was a screensaver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. We saw that from Windows 95. Like, and test. Like, ooh, ah. That's yeah, we're an flying eight bit, space. Eight bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, for those who don't know, you can just go to, what is the we- the website for you guys exactly? It's America's Automotive Trust.org. Okay. We'll get you to all of our other partners. Okay. So there we go. And I also want to say, if you are a young individual, male or female, and you're thinking about this, reach out to LeMay. Yeah. Because the resources are, just because they're not starting some of their programs next year, the resources are there. They they want to help people. I mean, it, hell, if you are an age and you want to get into the automotive, yeah, reach exactly. out to LeMay. Yeah, they they're always looking for people to help. So, yeah. Exactly. No, Chrissy, you don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, call yeah. Chrissy. Yeah, you can call Chrissy. Yeah, don't worry. We're going to put her personal cell phone on on the website, <laughs> and you can call her any time of day. Exactly. She exactly. loves that. She loves it, yeah. yeah. She's usually awake between, like, 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I kidding. think her business card reads Queen Passionista. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, but if you want to get a hold of uh, anybody at LeMay, get a hold of us uh, directly, or you can get a hold of them through uh, americasautomotivetrust.org, but, or reach out to us, and we'll put you in touch with who you need. We're happy to make that connection for you and get you in touch with whatever resources you need. If you're into, want to learn more about cars, or you have somebody that is, let us know. We're here to help. Or if the, you, I'm thinking, if you want to teach about cars, I'm sure they'd love to have yeah. you come down. There. they always need the people. I will say this: the people Peter's that have full time yeah, job. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Peter. Peter, Peter would, and Fred would I, never leave. Peter would not be good as one of the volunteers because nobody would ever be able to leave. <laughs> Peter would walk you around and be like, and they'd be like, "How do you know so much about this car? Uh, it's mine." Yeah. <laughs> but on to this next car. But how do you know so much about this one? It, it's mine. <laughs> so, yeah. But hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, we should talk about Avant, wow. another great contributing member to yeah. the car community. Uh, they have a to the their Denver audience, uh, October 10th, the Denver Dino Day at Dino Pro. Um, I need to get out there. Uh, Dirtfish Thrill Rides coming up, which uh, October 11th for for Nick's birthday. Yeah, on October 11th. Birthday. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, it'll Avant's. they scheduled it that way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> sure. And then uh, they've got uh, some drives coming up to be announced, and of course we'll keep you updated on the show. Yeah. So, well. 
Jennifer, thank you for so much for being here. We're really excited you're on board with LeMay, um, America's Automotive Trust. We'll just keep saying it until it's embedded in Nick's head. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. He'll, he'll keep saying it. I've got a guy to say it now. Exactly. <laughs> no, but thanks for your support as well. Yeah, thanks oh, for coming. More yeah. than happy to. It's great to see that you guys are still growing and going strong. So you guys are a huge asset to the car community, and we are just happy to be and lucky, fortunate to be part of you. Well, we love it. Keep driving. Well, for this episode of RCS, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.